This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. In 1965, William Branham tried to promote himself as high priest over the cult. It's not that shocking to cult followers because many will tell you when asked that William Branham is their high priest, even though he's long dead and gone with many unfulfilled prophecies. It's ironic because William Branham starts the sermon off saying something like this. He says, You see what a hypocrite I'd be if I told you anything but the truth. The immediate irony is that a few minutes later, he's speaking about mystery cloud over his head in Tucson, Arizona. He says, If it happens to be that my good friend, Brother Roy Roberson, is listening in at Tucson, Roy, you remember the other day the vision that you seen when we were standing out upon the mountain. You came up to me, and that cloud was over the top. Yet the cloud that was formed by a Thor missile detonation from Vandenberg Air Force Base, the one seen in the photograph that's hanging in cult churches around the world, was taken north of Flagstaff, over 320 kilometers to the north. And he was in Houston, Texas at the time. He wasn't out with Brother Roy Roberson. But mostly, I think Branham felt he could get away with it without a single person questioning, because later in the sermon he says this, And the prophet says anything, that's so, then that's the truth. (laughs) It's an open-ended statement. You can say whatever you want. The sky is pink. While that particular lie is a little comical, what comes next is not. Branham twists the word of God to set himself on the throne as the new high priest over the people. The scripture that he uses for his little context comes from Hebrews 7, and he only reads a portion of the chapter. He reads this part. For Melchizedek, king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, 
first being interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Those of you who have read your Bibles and have studied this chapter in full context, you know who this Melchizedek really is. But let's listen to William Branham's twisting of that scripture. The very first point William Branham tries to enforce is that the new Melchizedek is a man. He says, it can't be that, for in the first, fourth verse it says he was a person, a man. So in order to be a person, he has to have a personality, a man. Not an order, but a person. So he was not just a priesthood order, neither was he a myth. He was a person. He continues on to describe this person as being eternal, which would lead you to believe he was referring to the man Jesus Christ, but he is not. Listen to what he says next. He says, Now we find in the scripture that many people teaches that three personalities in the Godhead. Now you cannot have a personality without being a person. It takes a person to make the personality. Branham separates the two. This person, Melchizedek, was a person, a man, and not part of the Godhead. Branham taught that the Godhead did not include three persons because he did not understand what that meant. Similar to the other sermons that we pointed out where Branham claimed that God changed his form into the human being, William Branham, he again strives and drives that point home. He takes the Greek phrase in morphe, which literally translated means the form of or Use in context the form of God. Using that Greek phrase, <clears throat> the one that is used to describe the Christ, Branham takes advantage of the wording. Again, he suggested that God had morphed or shape-shifted into his servants. He says this, He reveals himself in his great form of what he claimed as he in morphs himself, listen to this, into his servants and proves himself. The point that he drives home next is the strongest twisting of Scripture. You almost have to try to squeeze juice out of the dry pages of your Bible to even make this connection. But sadly, cult pastors have taken this twisting and they've ran with it preaching sermon after sermon after sermon on it. The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I believe that. God is eternal, and God's Word is eternal. But Branham twists that to mean that we will one day become the Word. And he leads you to believe that through the course of this and other sermons that he, Branham, was the Word. Hence the name, Spoken Word, or the Voice of God. 
He says this, Now this body is subject to the Spirit. Have not entered into the word form, but we are still in the flesh form, but subject to the word. Now, if the word was God, and if we are to become the word, then Branham is telling us that we will become gods. That is a Freemason teaching that's handed down from generation to generation to generation, starting with the Egyptian pharaohs, who believe themselves to be gods. The Gnostics, who the Apostle Paul and Irenaeus condemned, also believed that we would become gods. And Irenaeus, one of Branham's church-age messengers, devoted his life towards condemning them. Worse, William Branham calls the word of God eagle food, which is blasphemy. Contrary to cult popular belief, eagles eat rotting corpses. The Bible even says so. Where the carcass is, the eagles will gather. Branham next goes through a series of examples from the Old Testament of God speaking to his prophets. Now that is scriptural, but the point that Branham tries to make is not. He stresses the word prophet when describing Christ. He, sa he says this, And this Melchizedek became flesh. He revealed himself as the Son of Man, when he become as a prophet. <clears throat> he come with three names of a son, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Son of David. When he was on earth, he was a man to fulfill the scripture. Moses said, The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet like it unto me, so he had to come as that prophet. He didn't ever say, I am the Son of God. He said, I am the Son of Man. Do you believe the Son of Man? Because that's what he had to testify of, because that's what he was. Now, Jesus had the title Son of Man, but he was also the Son of God. This teaching comes directly from the Lamsa Bible, written by George Lamsa, praised by William Branham as being scripturally accurate, yet denying the deity of Jesus Christ. In Lamsa's theology, Jesus was nothing more than a prophet, like Muhammad, a man with an anointing. Even Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and he called him that name during the temptation. And John 1.34 says, And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. John again says in chapter 3, Whoever believes him and is not condemned, but whoever does, believe, does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. In fact, in the end of the Gospel by John, it says this, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believe that by believing you may have life in his name. Branham continues for the next several minutes stressing the word prophet. And he's doing so while he's speaking of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
And he's using scriptures like Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a verse that hangs in many cult churches around the world. I don't think that they understood what William Branham was trying to say with this verse. Otherwise, they'd take it down along with all of those pictures of William Branham that they hang as equal to or even in replacement of the painting of Jesus Christ. Branham gives the answer to this question in the title, Who is this Melchizedek? And I don't think cult followers, I don't think cult followers actually catch it. I don't think they catch the answer. But I have absolutely no doubt that cult pastors do. His answer is this. He says, Now he promised, just before the end would come, that the picture of Sodom and Gomorrah would be again. As it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be at the end time. The Son of Man will reveal himself again. He tells about the messenger that sent to Abraham, to Noah and more, and he says this, G-R-A-H-A-M, the first time we ever had a messenger to all the churches that his name was ever in in H-A-M like Abraham. Abraham, A-B-R-A-H-A-M, is seven letters. Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M, is six letters. Where is he at? To the world. Six is the man's number. Man was created on the sixth day, but seven is God's number. William Branham counted on the cult followers to come to the next conclusion, which is that the numbers of his last name were equal to seven, which he just told them is God's number. But he also counted on them not taking the conclusion any further, not realizing that the number of Abraham's name were counted in English, not in Hebrew. And they did not equal seven in Hebrew. He reemphasizes the point, again using the power of suggestion. That Melchizedek was flesh. Think of what he's saying here. That Melchizedek was flesh, represented himself in a human body. And then later he was made flesh. And then he says this, and now tonight, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe it? So in that huge crowd, just having been told that Melchizedek was made flesh among them, which person do you think that they believed was the high priest? That sermon... The entire sermon is not only heretical, blasphemous, and idolatry, it is in direct conflict with the writings of the Apostle Paul. Paul proclaims Jesus Christ as our new high priest forever throughout all his writings. In Hebrews 4, he says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through, through the heavens, Jesus Listen, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. 
And that train of thought is continued in Hebrews 5. And immediately following, Paul warns against apostasy, which is the rejection of the Christian faith. Apostasy is exactly what, what Paul would call William Branham's sermon making himself the new high priest. Paul starts by explaining the Le Levitical priesthood of the Old Testament. Paul says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. So if it's a man, you have to go through a man to get to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for our sins. He writes, He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. But because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. But then Paul says Christ was different. He continues, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but he was appointed by him who said, You are my son. I have begotten you. He's speaking of the Father. He says also in another place, You are a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Paul does not try to hide the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. He does not try to make Jesus simply a prophet like the prophet Muhammad. Paul describes him as the Son of God. He also says that Christ is the priest forever. Not just in the priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek, a high priest forever. Jesus came to earth. <clears throat> he lived a perfect life. Jesus Christ was our sacrifice. Our eternal salvation relies on his suffering on the cross. And as Christians, Christ is our only high priest. There's no other way to get to heaven. You cannot go through a man. Paul says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers in supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he heard, and he was heard because of his reverence. He says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he had suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Last, Paul calls those who had became tired of hearing the gospel in its simplicity, he calls them a bunch of babies. They had not progressed, and they were dull of hearing. They did not even understand the basic principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul writes, About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic 
principles of the oracles of God. He says you need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. Paul says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, not fortune-telling, but discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. William Branham called discernment an entirely different thing. Discernment to Branham was simply guessing what was on the back of the card that those people wrote. Paul says discernment is the, the ability to distinguish good from evil. So today you're given a choice. William Branham claimed that he taught the same message that Paul preached, though we've pointed out otherwise. But if so, you, and if you are still enslaved by the chains of bondage that are in this religious cult, you have a choice to make. You can either make William Branham as your high priest as he wanted you to do, or you can make Jesus Christ your high priest, like Paul tried to explain to you. There are only two options here, William Branham or Christ.